0: If you did not think the president's 2020 budget request had many new proposals, well, think again. The detailed version of the White House request is packed full of ideas to modernize the existing civil service system. Some proposals are familiar, but many more are new or at least have never been taken seriously as administrative and legislative priorities in a White House budget request. Federal News Network's Nicole Grisco joins me now to break down the many, many ideas. And I guess the first one to start with is at the end of career, Nicole, and that is retirement.
1: Right. So we heard about these a little bit last week, and I'll just run through them very quickly. You know, an increase in federal employee contributions, an elimination of the cost of living adjustment for those in FERS, uh, getting rid of this special retirement supplement. For those who are honestly forced to retire by a certain age before they're eligible for Social Security, basing future retirement benefits on the average of of an employee's highest five years instead of an employee's highest three years, we know about all of those. But what is new in this batch of proposals here is really what the White House wants to do with what it's calling term employees, and there's about 70,000 of them right now. And in this budget proposal, the White House suggests, well, they don't really benefit from the current federal retirement system because they have to be here for five years or longer in order to be vested in you know, the three-legged stool federal retirement system. So they're essentially suggesting moving term employees to a defined contribution plan based on what it calls enhanced TSP benefits. And then it goes even further and it says we actually want a whole lot more term and temporary employees. And they suggest that these appointments would run up for up to 3 years. You'd have an option to extend it for another year two additional times. These employees would serve at the pleasure of the agency, so meaning they wouldn't have to deal with the same competitive hiring hurdles, but they also wouldn't have Title V disciplinary appeals rights. So In this budget, the Trump administration is really calling for an increase in term and temporary hires, and they even nod to the 21st century gig economy and say that they also want more flexibilities to allow agencies to make non-competitive term and temporary appointments for up to 18 months to address specific critical hiring needs. And then they go on further to say, you know, we really think agencies should be able to just dive right into some of these critical hiring needs. And we'll get into that more.
0: And these people would not be fish nor fowl. That is to say, they're not political appointees, but they're they're not not. really full-fledged career civil service.
1: Exactly. I think they're really suggesting looking at the kind of employee that they want at these agencies in a completely different way. And it makes sense given their interest in You know, developing special pay and occupational authorities for STEM occupations, economists, other places that they that's just been really difficult for them to hire and fill um, vacancies.
0: So basically, those people would get what they get anywhere they work, which is to have some of their pay deducted. They would be salaried. They wouldn't be paid like a consultant, but they would be salaried. Only they would have to set up their own IRAs in the form of TSP contributions.
1: Correct. And what's more is they would be paid differently as well. They could be paid up to executive schedule level two. That's according to um, not the White House budget justification, but actually a budget justification from the Office of Personnel Management and General Services Administration, which we'll get into later, that gives more details about exactly how they envision this going.
0: We're speaking with Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, and let's get into that. There are some proposed ideas for reorganization. We know the obvious one, which is dissecting, basically, Office of Personnel Management and putting the pieces in different places. Is that where it ends?
1: That is essentially where it ends, but we have a little bit more detail, a little bit more detail on what exactly that would look like. So just to recap, the security clearance piece, the National Background Investigation Bureau, that's supposed to move at some point this year whenever that executive order comes out. It's supposed to be operational by 2020, The other pieces of OPM, health and retirement, those would move to the General Services Administration. Its HR Solutions shop would also move to the General Services Administration. And the way it was described in the budget request is that these entities would basically be GSA's third service. So you have the public building service, you have the federal acquisition service, and these offices would be the third one. They don't give it a name, but that's how they're envisioning it. Then the policy pieces of the Office of Personal Management would go to the executive office of the White House, and would be considered as kind of an Office of Federal Procurement Policy-like entity, and would live there.
0: Interesting, because the Office of Federal Procurement Policy is just one part of the big apparatus that decides procurement policy. There's a whole FAR Council, Defense Department comes in here and there. So this would, in effect, take away a lot of OPM, not just in the operational area, but really it would only be one part of a bigger policy apparatus.
1: It really would. And, you know, you mentioned the FAR Council, for example. I mean, OPM has other councils that I imagine would probably continue to exist. The Chief Human Capital Officers Council is one that immediately comes to mind that I can't see that going away. But it's interesting when you look at the budget request for 2020 and you see more details, there isn't an OPM request. It is all under the General Services Administration with that tiny little piece, within OMB. And so to get more into the details, I mean, they're proposing merging the IG offices of OPM and GSA, creating one budget of, I think, about $98 million for the IG, acknowledging that OPM has plenty of things that need further, you know, higher oversight. So it's pretty interesting when you delve into the details here.
0: And, of course, all of this is probably subject to some congressional oversight or control.
1: It is, of course, and... The White House acknowledges that on multiple occasions in the request and also makes mention of an appropriation to pay for this move. And that, I think, is going to be the big sticking point. Does Congress want to pay to move an agency that's supposed to save money down in the long run, but will actually cost several million dollars up front? I think that'll be interesting. The other thing that we don't necessarily see is what – the plan is when the pieces do start to break off of OPM and what's left of the agency is still supposed to function. I'm thinking of what will happen when MBIB leaves. And there goes the majority of the common services uh, funding that OPM receives. It's revolving capital fund.
0: Sure, it's going to look like the last dress department in the last Sears. Nothing <laughs> there but just a bunch of hangers and racks. Wow, and I want to get back to that idea for just a moment about the idea of these term employees i mean there's this is I don't know what the statutes say about how agencies are supposed to be staffed, but switching from career to term is a long term effort
1: It absolutely is, and I think this it would is, be I think this is all part of the administration's plans really to just look at the civil service in a different way. You know, I mentioned uh, the term and temporary appointments for 18 months. And in the budget requests, the administration acknowledges, you know, people aren't necessarily having as many permanent jobs. They might work on projects. And I think that's the direction that the administration is, is trying to think about here is, well, what if we don't bring someone on for a 30 year government career, but we bring them on because we like their expertise and their experience. And we think they can help us with a couple of projects. I think that's what they're trying to go after.
0: Yeah, because I wonder if they're really looking at the right statistics in the right way. Because yes, people do move around a lot. But many, many, many people just simply change jobs as full employees much more frequently than they did in earlier generations. But that's not to say they're pursuing the gig approach to working.
1: Right. And I think that goes back to a few other things that we haven't necessarily touched on quite yet, which is pay. For just your average federal employee here, once again, a pay freeze is proposed in the 2020 request. No surprise there. A little bit more detail on performance-based awards. They say that OMB is going to come out with some more guidance on how they want to reward certain people. So a lot more to come, I think.
0: Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check out her story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought
1: to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else.